All right, good morning, y'all. <laughs> hey, man, did it not feel good yesterday just walking outside at any point in time and feeling the oppressive humidity just come right through your bones like winter is finally over, amen? And those of you that don't like it, y'all have air conditioning, man. But I'm saying the water's warming up, and that's a good thing. <laughs> so my body's feeling a whole lot better on that. But, man, I'm not looking for perfection here. You know, how many of y'all, if you were looking for perfection in this life, known that, how many of y'all know that you've already blown it? <laughs> how many of y'all know that the world's not going in that direction? What a stressful, hard thing to do to kind of keep looking for perfection. Man, in fact, that's why we view things as obstacles instead of opportunities. Because we, all right, all right, all right, all right. So I know this isn't perfection, but this is what I'll settle for. Anybody, you got your standards of what you'll settle for? Okay. And how many of y'all get disappointed when those standards aren't met? And your standards have to keep going lower of what you're going to settle for and kind of convince your mind that it's as good as it gets here. Well, man, this is, place ain't getting no better. And we've got a purpose here. And if we realize this is not the final destination, this is not our final battle, this are not our final mar uh, grounds of where we kind of settle, man, this is not the best that there is. This is not where it all ends. If we can understand that, then we can view everything that comes into our life as an opportunity instead of an obstacle. Isn't that what obstacles are, man? I meant to do this. I, how many of y'all had an obstacle with your, with your schedule this week? At least one. Fernanda, did you have any obstacles with your schedule this week? Not a one. It worked out perfect, didn't it? Right? Yeah, I know better than that. <laughs> but none of us did. Man, this is what I've been thinking about a lot. I was disc golfing with Jeff, and I brought this up. I was out paddleboarding with y'all. I was out on a boat with you, MJ, and, and, and Barb. And, man, we were out, out paddleboarding, doing all kinds. Of, and, and I brought this up because this is where my mind's been thinking a lot lately. My mind's been thinking a lot lately that the next great event in God's calendar is the rapture. Amen. Now, for those of you that are mid-trib, you know, we're not going to argue about it. I don't really care. I'm pro-trib. It's going to happen, all right? But, but I think there's no reason for the, for, the, for the church to be left behind. I don't think there's any... I think Jesus is just as anxious for us to have this wedding as we are. I'm probably more anxious because he knows what's happening. But man, I really believe the next great event is that we are getting married to Christ. We are, we are going to have the marriage supper. It's so crazy y'all are singing about it. I've been thinking about that. The minute we have the rapture, the minute we're in heaven with him, how long are we going to be in heaven with him? All right, I know you're going to say forever, but, but during this marriage supper, how long are we going to be up there? Seven years, man. And while we're there for seven years partying, hey, are there any of y'all that like weddings, actually like weddings? Let me see your hands. Yeah, Destiny, I could tell you like weddings. Y'all, Man, yeah, you like weddings. You like all that pomp and that fanciness. Dude, this is going to be a wedding to beat all weddings, man. This ain't going to be like, you know, that dried out chicken breast with a couple of pieces of, of shriveled asparagus. And man, dude, this is a wedding feast, man. You think I'm thinking about the food, right? But uh, I'm just saying this is going to be a seven-year wedding. Man, it's a feast. And that's what we're going to have with him. How many of y'all are pretty stoked about that? Is that not going to be cool? Yeah. And, and, and again, we're not talking about what goes on in this earth. We'll briefly mention it, but what happens on this earth during that time 
is that there's seven years of tribulation. The Antichrist comes, whether it's a person, a system, whatever, comes, is peace for three and a half years. He's got everybody suckered in and gullible and believing that he's actually the Christ. Can you believe the world would be so gullible to buy in to somebody being a savior other than Jesus? Could you imagine a world that gullible? We live in one. It's getting easier to imagine as each day. All you got to do is have all the news channels tell everybody, and they do. They believe it, right? Hey, this dude's a savior. Well, what about the Bible? No, no, no. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, because your brains get bombarded, and there it is. And so that's what's going to happen here. And then halfway through the whole deal, he turns on everybody, man. And, but it's all under God's authority. You see, God had a piece of property a long time ago called Eden. It was perfect. And Satan came in and kind of messed it up and, and, and convinced man to blow off God and do his own thing. Man now became un, uh, had a responsibility to make decisions he wasn't qualified to make, trying to choose between good and evil. How many of y'all mess up on that? Anybody here call good evil and evil good ever? Did you do that today? Not today, obviously. Let's ask your wife. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying, man. And, and, and so God's been just waiting patiently. And at some point, God is going to rebuild a new heaven and a new earth. But man, at some point, God is going to bulldoze this planet. He's going to purify it. He's going to change it. It's going to be back to Eden again. And it's gonna, he's going he's gonna to totally demolish it. It'd be like you buying a house on a great location, but you got to demolish the house before you can build the new one. That's what the tribulation period is going to be. From our perspective, millions, uncountless numbers of people are going to get saved during that time and martyred right at the same time. But the Jews, they're going to go through tribulation and they're going to finally recognize their Messiah. And all the people who are shaking their fist at God saying, leave us alone. Angels are going to be kind of flying over saying, hey, all this destruction's happening because God's trying to get your attention. God wants your attention. Give your life to him. This isn't where it's all about. And they're going to be shaking their fist at him saying, leave my earth alone. Leave me alone. Get out of here. You've already made enough mess. And those people are going to be judged eternally. At the end of all of it, he's going to clean it all up. And then we have a thousand years, which is what the Jews were looking for the first time Christ came. What's that called, y'all? Millennial reign. A millennial king. A thousand years. Anybody here been around for a thousand years yet? And what's it going to be? Gary, you been here a thousand years yet? I always pick on you for being on. Somebody last week said, oh, Carol Ann, she's probably back in Michigan now. She said, you better quit calling Gary old because we're the same age. <laughs> Anyways, but I can talk like that because she's not there real big. Otherwise, that little short stocky lady will come and hug me and cry all over me. But <laughs> you know, that's true. I love her to death, man. She's my, one of my favorite snowbirds, man. But anyways, where are we at? Oh, thousand years, man. Dude, a thousand years. Can you, Chris, can you even imagine a thousand years? Now think about this thousand years. The earth is going to be perfect. <laughs> it's going to be perfect. It's going to be Eden-like again. Perfect. How many of y'all have ever experienced a perfect life? A perfect earth? A perfect place? Man, as beautiful as Utah was. Man, you know, Mormons messed it up. I'm just messing with you. I'm just saying as beautiful as it was, it's not as pretty as it was a thousand years ago. It's not as pretty as it was 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Man, I'm a Florida cracker. I grew up and I have seen places in Florida that you guys could only imagine. Dude, when I was a kid, 
They were filming Tarzan movies between Orlando and Ocala. Literally, go back and watch the Johnny Weissmuller. Man, we all knew how to go, oh, oh, oh. We all, because we would grab a, a vine and swing out of a tree as a kid, man. Before y'all came and made us have to wear shoes. Man, we had a pair of shorts on, no sunscreen, no nothing, right, Chuck? Yeah, man, we just went. It was, I experienced, you'd swing into lakes surrounded by the best tangerines and, and navel oranges, whatever oranges you want, and you get so tired of eating them, you start throwing them at each other, man. And, and I'm just saying, man, I got to experience things. But even as beautiful as that was, Scott, you grew up in Florida, up in Tallahassee, man. That was so pretty that that one Jackson dude, not Stonewall, the other one, right? I did, I did go in my disclaimer last week, all right? I told you that the two history nerds over here and here corrected me, and I w- like that correction, so thank you. It was Andrew Jackson, right? The guy who became president. Yeah, before, it was so nice that he wanted it. But what I'm saying is, it, as beautiful as all of that has been, was, dude, it's nothing compared to perfection. Can you imagine what it's going to be like on a perfect earth? Anybody? <laughs> a perfect earth. How many of y'all are going to be there? Anybody going to be there? If you have Christ, you're going to be there. That is awesome. Now, it would be a very cruel joke, Chuck, if we had a perfect earth. Every place we could just pick. Chris, we could pick whatever size waves we wanted, whatever kind of break you felt like that day. Right, Brandon? Oh, tell me that wouldn't be a... Dude. And, and then you know what the cruel joke would be? That we didn't have the body to be able to do it. <laughs> Because it's this body, like 200 years old, and I'm like, oh, what kind of body am I going to have for a 1,000 years, y'all? A perfect glorified body. I have never had one of those. I'm just, how many of y'all ever had a perfect body? Anyone? Nate, remember what yours looked like before you got married, bro? I'm just saying. No, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you, man. You can have it back again. Look at this guy, man. He's, you know, all right. But the point I'm saying is, it ain't, we've never experienced perfection, have we? We've experienced better times. But listen, for a thousand years, I'm going to live in perfection. Have you experienced anything like that so far? Nothing like that. Then at the end of the thousand years, Satan gets loose. To, oh, yeah, no Satan for that thousand years. You can read all about it in the end of Revelation. Man, at the end of a thousand years, man, Satan gets put away. The great white throne judgment, and now the heaven, the new heaven, earth doesn't go away. The new heaven comes out like a bride coming out to the bridegroom. Man, it, you go read about in the last couple of chapters, man, you read about the platform of the new heaven and all the different colors of gemstones that these giant platforms are made out of, the whole base of it. And then think about Jesus Christ in the middle as the light shining and the beauty that comes. You always have a little diamond. You ever take a little diamond and see the sparkles? John, John, you ever see the diamond? Man, just look at the sparkles. It's beautiful, isn't it? Can you imagine the size of heaven as a giant diamond and gemstones of every color and God being in the middle lighting it up? Is that cool or what? What do you think, Thomas? Sound interesting to you, man? Sound like a place you'd like to spend a little time? You're going to spend eternity there. And this is pretty sweet. This is what I've been thinking of, all right? So this is what I got. How long am I going to be in heaven, y'all? How long are you going to be there? Forever also. Good. Make sure you know that. Because of Christ, that's it. No other way to get in. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to me except they go through the Father. There is no other way. And God gives you that faith to believe you. Accept it. Man, he, he gives you an eternal 
uh, home in heaven and the Holy Spirit seals you. Man, he takes that wax and drips it on your head and <laughs> stamps it. No one can remove it. He seals you eternally for him. But man, we're in heaven. But guess what? What happens to the earth? Nothing, dude. We've got a perfect earth. You know, some of y'all were like talking to me one time like, well, I heard in heaven there ain't no more sea. Anybody heard that before? Well, first of all, whatever's in heaven, I'm going to dig because I'm going to have a glorified body that's only going to want what God wants. So even if heaven was a giant bowl of Brussels sprouts, <laughs> how many of y'all said, yeah, I ain't real sure about that. A giant bowl of Brussels sprouts, that's heaven. Now, some of y'all, Nate's like, bring it on, babe. For you, I'm going to say a giant T-bone steak, you know, and you'll be like, oh, but God's going to change your desires. All the desire you're going to have is for what God wants you to have. So even if it was a bowl of Brussels sprouts, dude, you would be stoked. You'd be like, whoa, here, catch this one. We'd be playing Brussels sprout tag and so on, but we'd be stoked with whatever's there. But he does tell us what's there. He tells a lot of things that's there. And what's the most awesome thing? Who's the most awesome thing that's there? He is. I said, I've used this illustration. In fact, a lot of things are going to come I've I've had for a long time. But right now, if there was a a thousand foot giant swimming unicorn that was half whale out there in rainbow colored, would y'all be paying attention to me? If I said, oh, dude, look at that rainbow whale out there with the unicorn thing. You're like, well, that's a narwhal. Man, you would be looking at that and you'd be like, whoa, has it got legs? Ooh, has it got a tail? You would be so blown away checking that out that you wouldn't be able to pay attention to anything else. God is way better than a unicorn rainbow narwhal. I'm just saying. He's so awesome. We're just going to be totally blown away forever. Like, oh, Ashley, did you see that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, every for eternity. So think about this. How much time am I going to have in perfection, guys? And, 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 and relatively speaking, it's going to be in a very short period of time, isn't it? I mean, soon he's coming back. And, and that word soon in the Greek is the word we get the word tachometer from. It doesn't mean that it's happening in a week or two weeks. It means it's revving up. It's revving up. Dude, how many of y'all remember? How many of y'all know how to drive a stick shift? Terry and I drive a stick shift, right? Dude, you got that clutch in, man, and, and you're revving it up, man. When it revs up and finally the light turns, you don't do this with your wife in the car, but I'm just saying, man, you got it revved up. The RPMs are up, and when you pop that clutch, what happens, buddy? Woo! Yeah, them wheels, and you just take off. God is revving things up, fixing to pop the clutch, y'all. <laughs> is that not good news? Fixing to pop the clutch. I mean, to have you, how many of y'all in your own lifetime, do you understand all the changes we have seen in our lifetime? I was talking to Thomas last week over all you can eat chicken, man, right? We were, man, and, and I couldn't believe, it. Thomas, you were born in 1995, right? The things that he doesn't even remember, a dial-up phone connected to a wall. <sighs> He was too young. Y'all remember the first internet? You know, you remember that? That's as early far back as he goes. Now, sitting in the bathroom with no phone, having to read old magazines or the back of boxes, he doesn't have any clue about that one. You had to have a light on, man. I'm just saying, things have so revved up in life. They've so exponentially changed God's revving it up, and he's fixing to pop a clutch. I don't know when, but when you pop the clutch, how long does it take to actually get the thing moving? 
Boom. Exactly. It's gone. That's what the word soon means. You see it revving up. No, he's fixing to pop a clutch. And, and that's a good thing. So here we are. Man, handwriting's on the wall. It's closer than it was. We know that for sure. We know that as soon as he pops a clutch, we've got a phenomenal wedding. How many of y'all are excited about a really cool wedding? Johnny, I know. Dude, there it is, my wedding. Oh, seven years. You ever been to a seven-year wedding? Especially one you didn't want to leave? You know? That's awesome. So soon he pops a clutch. There's a wedding. That's going to be pretty awesome. Soon as the wedding's over, brand new earth. It's a perfect earth, an Eden earth with a glorified body. Terry, there's not going to be murky water to dive in. It's my, only if you want it. You have to order it from God. God, I don't like all this clarity. I want some murk <laughs> and sharks all around me. I'm like, no, God, I want some little fish and clarity. Yeah. But it's perfect. The perfect earth. Can you imagine? You might not even need scuba gear, dude. Wouldn't that be pretty sweet with that glorified body? I don't know if you can just pop on some gills. I got no idea, but for a thousand years, a thousand years, you want perfection now? You're whining and complaining every time your lower standard of perfection is not met, saying there's another obstacle in my way. Instead of seeing God is setting it up as an opportunity. Every single thing we got going on in this life for this short, teeny tiny period of time. Man, I said it before. And you want to pull 100 grains of sand off my feet right now? Oh, come on. Man, again, 100 grains of sand right there. That's 100 years of life. Eternity's not even close to all the grains of sand on the rest, in the rest of this universe. And you want to complain about your lower standard of perfection here? I do. I don't know about you, but I do. Scott, you ever want to complain about it? Yeah, I set my goals and I didn't get you. Know. No, dude, it's an opportunity, not an obstacle. And so that's why where we left off in Ephesians last week, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, man, Walk circumspectly, walk wisely, sing life from God's perspective so that you can make the most of not your time, but the time. What time is it, y'all? <laughs> what time is it? It's fixing to be time to pop the clutch. <laughs> That's, somebody need to hear that pop and clutch thing because the Holy Spirit put it in and he ain't letting it go right now. All right, I'm just saying. Dude, that's what time it is. Man, how do we make the best use of this time? This time's evil. That's what he even said in that last scripture there. I fully, fully plan on preaching through a feed. I even posted on Facebook. You can go look at my outline this morning. I waited till the last moment before I popped in the shower and said, all right, God, this is it. And I thought I heard him say, yeah, and I posted it. There it is in Ephesians. And then as I was getting dressed, we started, I started thinking about obstacles becoming opportunities and seeing them that way. And he's like, man, do you remember Daniel? I asked you guys a few uh, last week, maybe, hey, how many of y'all would like to have lived in a different age? And somebody back over, without you, April said, I want to be in Leave it to Beaver days, man, the 50s, where everything was totally cool. How about this for you and your boys? How about the age of Daniel, where all of a sudden your country gets overtaken by a pagan king? And he splits families up and takes your little boys because they've got potential because who their parents are, obviously. And sends you, you guys stay as slaves or whatever. You're not causing any trouble. Takes your boys and takes everybody else. Takes your boy, 
takes everybody, takes your little girl. Well, girls weren't worth anything there, sorry, but I'm just saying, <laughs> they were to you. All right, but I'm just saying, back then, they were looking for young leaders. They take your boys, and they take them to a new country, and they brainwash them. They give them new names. Your name, you name them. Oh, oh, God loves you. That's your name. Now they're like, yeah, God ditched you. That's your new name. And, and that's what they did. They changed their names. And then they changed their lifestyle. They changed and said, if you play along with us, man, we'll give you everything you want. Life will be so satisfying. And many people jumped in all that. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you'll see their other names. You know what happened to them? Even in the very first chapter of Daniel, they're like, hey, eat this food. And he said, yeah, I really can't because my parents were telling me about the word of God. And the word of God says, we, are in a, you know, we can't really eat this stuff. We're going to eat other stuff. Let us just eat what we eat. Dude, don't get me in trouble. Don't get me in trouble. Daniel did, and God blessed him by doing what he was supposed to do. How would you like to grow up in that age where you never get to see your boys again? But then God has a great opportunity for your boys because he's going to use your boys to move things further of Israel having a Messiah and use your boys to, rep, to tell everybody what's going to happen in the end. Man, but if we're looking at, if we've set a standard, of what's going to happen. That sounds like an obstacle, doesn't it, Destiny? Some new country comes in and takes a little jack. Couldn't think of anything that would rip your heart apart harder than that. That's why we've got to see life as an opportunity, not as an obstacle. By seeing what God wants to do in things, realizing there's such a short period of time left, and God is in control. Does anything happen on accident, y'all? Is everything ordained by God? And is God good? Is God love? Yes. We got to see it that way. Otherwise, we have anxiety. Otherwise, we have problems, man. We, man, if we don't see it as an opportunity, we see it as a what? Help me out. Obstacle. That's everything. And I'm preaching to me first. So how do we make the best use of time? So this morning, I promise, after I punch this, and some of y'all are going to remember this, because God's like, hey, so I think I want you to preach through Daniel chapter 2. And I was like, well, you know how time conscious I am, God. Now, <laughs> I can't obviously preach all of Daniel 2 and all of this message too. He's like, well, you could, but that's not really what I'm asking you to do. He said, I just really want you to preach Daniel 2 and let's see where we're going to go through. And so I want to look at that. If there was anybody, man, because we have this, we, we so sensationalize and and. and and flower up the word of God. We, we look at it through such American, you know, Western civilization eyes that we don't look at reality. I just told you what happened to Daniel as a kid, ripped away from his mom and dad, along with three other guys, and they met up, and boom, now they're under the control of the Babylonian king. Who orchestrated that? God did. Because God had a plan. And God's got a plan for each of us, and we submit to that. And it doesn't always go our way. It's an obstacle when it doesn't fit in our little box of what we thought perfection was, or we even lowered perfect, it doesn't fit there. We've got to see whatever God does is right and see it from his perspective. We'll dive more into that next week when we do get into Ephesians. But let's take a look at, at this. Uh, one way we make the most use of our, the best use of this time is by knowing that a life with God is full of what? Opportunities. All right, everybody just do this. Opportunities. I'm talking with your hands, man. Come on. Worship aerobics, right? Yes, opportunities. Look at you guys. This would be great. JJ, take a picture, and it's like looks like everybody's worshiping from their seat. No. Opportunities. Don't you like your hands free? Opportunities. Yeah. As opposed to, everybody do this, obstacles. 
How are you walking through life, man? Walking through like your hands are tied or are they open? Life is wide open. It all depends how you're seeing it. God's in charge. You're his child. He's got it all down. And so again, he reminded me of Daniel chapter 2. So he said, I'm not totally leaving you hanging here. And I'll tell you how this outline actually came up. I was doing a youth service back in probably 1995 or 96. And I had one side of the bleacher, 600 kids, and it was full. Had smoke machines. Yes, I was part of all of that. And, uh, and, and had ban- all this stuff. And, in my, and, and because we were on the west side of Orlando, I had rival gang members. I had ho- pristine homeschoolers because it was brand new at that time. And they were being isolated. At the point. I had lukewarm Christian school kids. And I had on fire for God pu- public school kids because they had to stand for what they believed. And I had everybody, 600 kids up there. In fact, my son, Matthew, he got home from the hospital, and I remember mom handing him to somebody, and I'm preaching and watching my kid go through, like, rival gang members, rival, I mean, whole nine yards and all that. But I, had, I was going to preach, and we were in Daniel chapter 2 because I preached Daniel 1 before, the week before, and it was a half hour before I had to leave. And I said, God, I've studied this passage. God, I don't have an outline. I don't have a way to do this. And within 15 minutes, God gave me this outline, okay? So it is kind of 90s-ish. I'm not trying to be a rapper, but it is a way that will help you remember these things. That's how when God said today, I want you to preach Daniel chapter 2, he's like, you already got this. You just let me flow, but here's your outline. So here we go. All right, you're going to walk through this with me super quick. This is worship aerobics. Are y'all loose? Ready to go? All right. Come on, help me out, man. You got to play along. This will help you remember it because I still have kids that remember this. But all right, I'm going to tell you the big outline real quick and then we're going to preach through it. All right, so the first thing is a secular side. Just go, oh, all right. Have you ever done that? Hey, have you ever done that? Like, oh, I could have had a V8. No, that's not even healthy anymore. Remember when they used to say V8s are healthy? They're not healthy anymore, right? That's just garbage, man. Just makes you think you're eating something. But yeah, oh, a secular side, a lucrative lie. Come on, April, you're not too cool for that there. A lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry. <laughs> Come on, help me out. A decree to die, obstacles. All right, so hit that real super quick. A secular sigh, a lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry, a decree to die, obstacles. Or you can have a timely try. Go ahead. Come on, man. A timely try by a godly guy. All right, and we're using that both ways. By a godly guy, ooh, now hopefully you can say, yeah, I'm a godly, I'm a godly guy or girl. All right, so a timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify opportunities. You see that? So you can have a secular side, lucrative lie, Chaldean cry, decree to die obstacles, or you can look at life as a timely try. God's put me in this, a timely try by a godly guy who knows a God to glorify opportunities. And then in this dream that he ends up interpreting, what he shows us is kingdoms that will comply and royalty that will reply, God is omnipotent. Dude, he shows us what's going to happen at the end of the world. So let's see if we can pop through this. On the way here, I called JJ. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Jay. He's like, hey. I said, like, you fresh from vacation? I didn't say that, but he sounded fresh. I was like, hey, so is there, I can do this from my phone, but is there any way you might be able to put script? He's like, yeah, I can do that. So here it is. And I, isn't he a great guy? What do you think? He's a great guy. Yep. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. So here we go. Uh, in this, first thing we have is we have King Nebuchadnezzar. 
King Nebuchadnezzar is actually a pretty young guy, but he's the king of the entire world at the time. All right. He's the king of the world and he's got a lot of responsibilities and he's trying to do a good job, you know, from his, his father Nabopolazar and different stuff. He's, he, he's, he's, he's just got a lot on his mind running the world. Right. Can you imagine? And so he starts having these dreams that are freaking him out. Anybody here have dreams freaking him out? Thomas, you've been having any more of them? Yeah, free. Don't, dude. God don't speak to us that way. He, if he does, he says he used to speak that way, but now he speaks through his son, which is through his word. If you have dreams, I would check them against the word of God before you put them to action. All right? And make sure they ain't what you ate the night before. All right? I'm just saying God can speak. He can encourage you and do that. But that is not a final authority. The word of God is our final authority now. We check everything against that. But anyway, so... Nebuchadnezzar, he has a secular sigh. Nebuchadnezzar's running the world and he's got a problem. Anybody here running your world and you get a problem? Yeah, Fernanda, you ever running your world? I know how your world works. You're running your world and you got a problem. Karen, you're running the world of the doggy place and their secular sigh. Did you have a few secular sighs there? Yeah, man, secular sigh. Oh, how many of y'all? Let me see your secular sigh one more time. Ready? Oh, Anybody really experience that ever? A secular sigh. That means, secular means worldly. It means I have everything the world has to offer. I have those resources, those things, and they don't have a solution. Look at this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, doing a great job, fine king, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled. Dreams over and over and over. Hey, you have one dream, that's one thing. What if you had the same bad dream every night? Anybody ever experience that? Yeah. Dude, that's pretty disconcerting there. That will give you a secular sigh. What are you trying? He didn't know God, so he couldn't do like we do. Hey, God, what do you want to do in this? Instead, he's trying to figure it out himself. It starts off like a little ping pong ball bouncing around inside his head, right? Anybody ever have a ping pong ball bouncing around inside your head? Trying to think? And then all of a sudden it turns into a baseball. And then it turns into a bowling ball. And you're... Wife, your husband, your friend, and your Bob, no, not since you've been saved, but it's you coming home with that bowling ball. And you're like, hey, what's wrong, honey? Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm okay. And you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> that's all Nebuchadnezzar. That's a secular side, dude. You got it bouncing around in your own head, and that's all the solution you got. And how many of y'all know that you don't have a solution? That's the benefit of having God as your leader, as your king, as your everything, because you can say, God, what do you want me to do with this? And then he shows you, and it's an opportunity, not an obstacle. In the second year of the reign of, king, of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled. His sleep left him. What do you become like when you don't get any sleep? Some of us, your dad would be like, because I know your dad only stays awake when he's got important things. Otherwise, he can snore anywhere. But I'm just saying, when, what's your dad like when he gets no sleep? Uh, <laughs> you don't have to say it, you know. What's Selma like when she gets no sleep? Crabby. Okay, there. That, that's all I'm looking for right there. I'm not looking like y'all, you know, turn on each. I'm not trying to start a war in there now. All right. So you get crabby. You get delusional. You get. You don't make even good decisions. So man, all this is going on inside him. Then the king commanded that his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers. This is like Oprah, Doctor Phil, and. Uh, the politicians, that's what the Chaldeans are. And, uh, oh, wait, wait, Oz and I don't even know, Jerry Springer. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude, he's calling every spiritual person he knows in his kingdom. 
every spiritual person, every political person. He's calling every non-godly person that he's been looking to for advice. And he's trying to get advice on how to deal with this secular side. Have you ever done that? Have you ever called? Gavin, you're working on houses, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, when can I find a person to really fix my dock and my boat? And my blah, blah, blah. You know, the world lets you down, right? That's what's fixing to happen. It ain't that he's not trying. So the king commanded that the magicians, these were the enchanters, the sorcerers, these are all his, his psychic friends. The Chaldeans, these were the politicians of the day. And he summoned them all to tell the king his, uh, to tell the king his dream. He said, you guys come here and you tell me my dream. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to him, I had a dream and my spirit's troubled to know the dream. Guys, I run this world and this dream's freaking me out. I need to know what to do about this situation here in life. Then the Chaldeans, these are the politicians. (laughs) Tell me things don't ever change. The Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, Oh, king, live forever. (laughs) Boy, that makes you feel better, doesn't it, Steve? Hey, I got a dream. I'm freaking out. Oh, live forever. Like this? No. They're trying to butter him up. They're trying to change the subject. They're trying to change things because they can't solve the problem. So they change the problem. They change the line of thought. They change it, and they never solve the problems. Aren't you glad our politicians aren't that way? Aren't you grateful they solve all our problems? Aren't you glad you can count on them, that that's who God tells us to count on to solve our problems? And I am being facetious. Who do we count on to solve all our problems? And if you're counting on Almighty God, you don't have a secular sigh. That's why it's called a secular sigh. It's a worldly way to solve your problems. The Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, Oh, king, live forever. Tell us your dream and we'll show you the interpretation. You got a dream freaking you out? Tell me the dream. Jimmy, tell me your dream. And then I'll tell you what it means. (laughs) Is that really going to help you? I could say whatever I want to say. That's the lucrative lie. Caldi, you know, he had a secular sigh, but these guys were living a lucrative lie. They were constantly just telling the king what he wanted to hear. And it, for the most part, it didn't even matter. It just worked, whatever. Now he needs a real answer and he has nobody to give him a real solution. Man, us as believers who know the word of God and know God intimately, we have real solutions to real problems. Amen. So don't live that secular lie, that, cal- that, that lucrative lie, because one day it's going to get found out. The Chaldean said, tell us the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Then the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you don't tell, make known to me the dream and its interpretation. Scott, I want you to tell me what I dreamed last night. <laughs> That's, how about that? Come on, Scott, let's go. I'm counting on you, buddy. If not, I'm going to turn your whole house into a dunghill. That's kind of what the king does, right? Yeah. So he's saying, you tell me the dream and you tell me the interpretation. You shall be, or he says, you shall be torn. Oh, forgot the dunghill. You're personally going to be torn limb from limb and your house will be a dunghill in the King James or in ruins. So yeah, your wife and kids will live in a dunghill and you're going to be torn limb from limb. If you don't tell me my dream. Wow. That's a tall order, especially if you've been living a lie, isn't it? You've been able to shyster everybody your whole life. You've been able to connive and do this and blah, blah, blah. You've learned from the very best liars the universe has to offer how to play the game. 
and you've worked your way up till you are there. But one day the truth is going to be required of you. And when you need the truth, you don't have it if you've been living a lucrative lie. It's kind of like the guy at work that promised he could do all this, all this, knowing it would never be called upon. But once it's called upon, finally he can't pull it off. You get fired. That's what's fixing to happen when they got fired, man. King's tick, limb from limb, your house is going to be a dunghill. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, that's all you got to do. Julia, what did I dream last night? What did I dream last night? And then you can interpret it for me. Yeah. Oh, Pastor Eddie, live forever. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's the game. That's all you got to offer. Change the subject. Because that, you're going to see, they even know it takes a big God to be able to pull that off. He said, but if you show me the dream, it's interpretation, man, you're going to receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation. What do y'all got to lose? Y'all have been promising me this forever, right? Y'all have been promising you're going to fix the water in, 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 the, in the Treasure Coast forever, right? You guys have been promising you're going to fix this. You're going to fix that. You're going to fix the deficit. You're going to fix the inflation. You're going to fix... Dude, do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there's no consequences. Someday the consequences are going to be due. Hey, who's going to hold people in authority accountable ultimately? Who's going to hold them authority? Uh, account, uh, uh, Laura? God. You can escape justice. You may own the justice system. You can escape justice, but you will not escape judgment. And I'm not just talking about our politicians. I'm talking about each one of us. Every position of authority we've been put in, God put us in that to see it from his, pers his perspective so that we can pull it off with him, and he gets the glory in it. But when we're living that lucrative lie, we got to answer for that one day. So, man, he said, therefore, show me the dream. What do you got to lose? Isn't that what God says? Live for me. Do this for me. Man, what do you got to lose? I'm going to give you a reward, great honor. It's going to be awesome. Does not God offer that? Why do we try to live a lucrative lie? Because sometimes we get sucked more into the world than we do the word. We, that's why I'm preaching this today. This is what makes a difference between an opportunity and an obstacle. Living in the world's an obstacle. Living in the word is an opportunity. They answered a second time. Oh, perhaps you didn't hear us the first time. Let the king tell the servants the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Maybe you didn't hear that before, right? All right, look at this. The king answered and said, I know certainly that you're trying to gain time. You see where I'm thinking right now? Dude, you're trying to get my thoughts changed. You're trying to get me off track. You're trying to get me to think about something else because you know you can't pull off what I'm dealing with here and you don't want to be ripped limb to limb and have your house a dunghill. Anybody sign up for that one? You know, he said, you're trying to gain time because you see the word is gone from me. You want me to forget about this so we can change the subject and I can do whatever and do whatever you want to do. He said, if you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. This is it. You have agreed to speak lying, corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation. I need to know. I don't need to just tell you, and then you give me some bonehead answer on what my dream was. I need real solutions to real problems. Is there anybody in this world that needs real solutions to real problems? And who does God want to use 
Hey, Carolee, who does God want to use to give people real solutions to real problems? It's me. Yeah. Me. Yeah. That's it, man. Johnny had problems. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm just saying. Both y'all, that's what he wants. We live life. It's, a, it's an opportunity, not an obstacle. But we have to be walking with God, not like living our life and all of a sudden somebody needs to hear from God. Oh, wait, let me just give him a call. I haven't talked to God in a while. No. You're walking with him. And that's your natural response. God is using you as an unkinked hose, Gary. It's just flowing, man. That's what God wants to do. So tell me the dream and you'll sh- and I'll show you and, and then I'll know that your interpretation is true. The Chaldeans, again, those are the politicians. Uh, he inherited them from his dad's you know, group. They were the ones really kind of in charge, kind of calling the shots. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man. On, look what they said. There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. What you're asking me to do, no human being can do. Then why have you been claiming you could do it? Well, because no one was ever going to check us on it. <laughs> you ever write checks with your mouth that your body can't cash? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Think how many lies we hear from so many people. I mean... All the time. And I'm not just picking on politicians. How many contractors have made promises to you? People. How many different situations? And and bottom line, it just doesn't get done. He said, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magicians or enchanters or Chaldeans. So check out what happened. First, he had a what? Help me out, Andy. I see you yawning. I got to keep you awake, man. Secular side. Let me see your secular side, Andy. A secular side, y'all. All right, turned into uh, their lucrative lie. Y'all help me out. Lucrative lie got exposed. And then, so now they realize they're exposed. So what do they do? The Chaldean cry. Wow, nobody. It's too hard. Hey, does that sound like your kids when you tell them to clean the room? It's too hard. Nobody expects their kids to clean up every piece of Lego everywhere. Nobody expects their kids to do that much homework or be, do that much schoolwork or whatever. And we take that into life, don't we? Jack, doesn't Destiny come home crying like, no, no, it's more like you probably, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody, those, those expectations are too high. Nobody could. So again, when your lucrative lie gets exposed, it turns into a Chaldean cry. You try to cry. Okay. Okay. I'm glad none of you parents do that, man. Can you imagine if kids were to like make a big enough fuss now and cry and make a big enough fuss for parents to say, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Can you imagine if kids would do that, Ashley? And parents just let them get away. And man, you stuck to it back in the old day. I'll give you something to cry about, right? No, I'm just like, but, but yeah, if, it, if crying about it gets you out of it, why not cry about it, right? Look at the world we live in right now. Where, where do kids get such an idea? Well, it's hard work being a parent. I know. <laughs> And no one's perfect at it. But again, that's what's happening. They're living a lie. And they've gotten away, gotten away. And as soon as they're discovered, all I can do is cry about it. Oh, okay. Not this time. The king's serious. Not this time. And at some point, crying about it's not going to get you out of it. You got to fess up. You got to complain. You got to get right. You got to get things straight. So he said, man, no one's asked anyone ever to do anything like this. The thing the king asks, it's difficult. <laughs> hey, you go to your boss tomorrow. Has your boss asked you to do anything difficult in the bridge building thing? 
What if you went to him? He said, it's just too hard. What would happen? (laughs) After all the construction workers made fun of you, right? I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) it's just too hard. I can't do it. It's like, we got to find somebody to replace this guy, right? What the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods. (gasps) They know the answer but they refuse to go to where the answer is. Wow. Can you imagine someone? Scott, I saw you getting ready to go, man. That military sleep, man. Oh, you were in bliss, bro. Just say, watch, watch. I'll ask Gavin and he'll give me the right answer. Gavin, what's the answer? God. All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the thing, it's difficult. No one showed the king except the gods. God, can you imagine somebody having the answer, knowing it's the answer, knowing it's where you make the investment, knowing where, where you put all your cookies, man, what jar to put them all in, and not doing it. Can you imagine someone doing that? Because you saw that guy in the mirror, didn't you? As all of us have. Man, if you know that's where the answer is coming from, get the answer from him. It's from God. It says, man, the answer is not dwelling with flesh. It's from God. But yet they refuse to go there. Don't be that guy. Because again, what do we have, man? We have a secular sigh, a lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry that ends up being a what? Decree to die. A decree to die. Because of this, the king was very angry, very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be what? Destroyed. All the wise men weren't even invited in this. These were just the top dudes. You know, this was a special cabinet, you know, a group or whatever. But he said, man, just destroy all these wise men. They've all been living this lucrative lie. Let's get rid of them and start over again. Or I don't even care what we do because they can't solve my problem. So the decree went out. The wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel's companions to kill him. Here we go, Bob. So here it is. You're one of the wise men. Okay, one of the sages. Why are you looking at him that way? He is a wise man. Yeah, she's like, my Bob, man? Yeah, yeah, I do. They, they come, they come knocking, on your, knocking on your door, your RV, and they're like, hey, Bob and Ann, you know, this is the captain of the, of the guard. Hey, Bob and Ann, how's it going? hey, we're here to kill you guys, <laughs> and uh, we're killing all the wise men. I don't know if you heard, because, you know, it really wasn't on the internet and so on, but we're, we're, we're coming to kill all the wise men, so we're just gathering them up. Y'all come with us. How many of y'all, Dean, would that be an opportunity or an obstacle? What would you, what, I, now, I knew you know the answer, but for most of you, how many, if somebody came knocking on your door to round you up to kill, you would say that's an, op- an opportunity? How many of y'all would say uh, your first thought is that's an obstacle? Anybody? Yeah, it's an obstacle. But Daniel, he, it was a timely try. Daniel knew God had this set up. He was here for this point in time, a timely try by a godly guy. If you're not a godly guy or girl, you don't see it as an opportunity. You see it the way ungodly people see it as an obstacle. A timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. Does God not want to be glorified in every situation we're in? But instead, we kind of, we kind of run from the tough ones and look for, I'll, I'll glorify you in this, this one. Yeah, can I glorify you while I'm laying on the beach, kind of just hanging out in the sand, doing nothing, God? <laughs> How many of y'all say, dude, I'm signing up for that one. 
And you can, but he's given you all kinds of opportunities to do it. So the decree went out to all the wise men. They were about to be killed. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. Here it is, opportunity, but we don't see it that way. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Hey, so if somebody was knocking on your door, Johnny, somebody's knocking on your door. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, we're here to kill you, man. Would you respond with prudence and discretion right off the bat? <laughs> Deep prudence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deep prudence. Yeah, I'm not so sure I would. That's where I have some of you in my life. Tom Knowles is one because he knows I probably, when they knock on my door, I don't have prudence and discretion. And then I have it later after the fact, after I've blown up a little bit. I don't know if that represents in you all. I try not to be that way. When I'm filled with the spirit, I'm not that way. But when I'm carnal, I am. And when somebody's knocking on my door to kill me, I'm probably carnal. If I'm not seeing it from God's perspective. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. So he were, he's talking to the dude who's coming to kill him. Man, that's like uh, that in itself. You got to have some wisdom from God to know to do that. He declared to Arioch. The king's captain, why is this decree so urgent? Indicating he wasn't there at, at the special meeting. Uh, and then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. How many of y'all would have said, wow, this is happening. Let's make a plan. Hey, let's start a revolt. Let's start away. Let's figure out how we're going to run away and hide and go do something else. Instead of what does God want us to do? See, that's the difference between an opportunity and an obstacle. An obstacle, John, is when you think of all what you're capable of thinking of. And you say, what? How many of y'all ever said that? What am I going to do next? Chrissy, you ever done that? What am I going to do? Oh, Steve, what are we going to do? What's wrong with that question, y'all? What are we going to do, Thomas? Is that the question we need to ask? No, the question is, what is God going to do? That's the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity. But how many of us, that's where we go. What are we going to do, honey? What are we going to do? What am I going to do? You already know what you're going to do. You're going to freak out and try to take the easiest route out. And you're going to make a wrong decision because the short-term consequences are most favorable. And you'll deal with the long-term ones later. And that's a whole other message if you want to know. But the answer should be, what does God want us to do? Why is this decree so urgent? Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested to appoint to the king to appoint a time to him that he might show an interpretation and gave the king some hope. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known. So here it is, Scott, you got the bad news. All right, let's get the whole family together. Hey, so this king guy, he wants to know what his dream was, interpretation, and dude, what should we do? Hey, guys, what are, Cora, what are we going to do? Cora, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe we can just sell them some shampoo or something, <laughs> some laundry. Term. Maybe we can butter them up. Maybe we can do something really cool for them. And then, and then he, like, forgets all about it. We come up with our own plan. As a man of the house, Scott, this is what our thoughts should be when we come home with these situations, men. And I'm not saying women can't, but God's called us to be the spiritual leader, amen? We should come home and say, what is God going to do? I need you to pray with me. We need to know what God wants to do in this. And if your husband doesn't say it or the guys or you ain't got anybody, figure out what God wants you to do. You bring it up. Figure out what God wants to do in the situation. Look what he did. Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companion. Who are those guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't use those names because those aren't as cool. Those are their Jewish names. And you can look up the difference between the names and what, why they change names on them. But he made the matter known to them. All right, guys, what are we going to do? That's not what he said. Look at this. 
he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. What's mercy? Not getting what you deserve. So in his own eyes, he's like, yeah, we're, we're, we deserve to kind of be killed with the wise men, you know, because if that's what God chooses, that's what it is. But God, we have mercy on us. God, we have mercy and spare us and use us in a mighty way so that you can be glorified. He told him to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. What's the word? Hey, Sue, what's a mystery? Okay, that's why I'm helping you. I'm helping you here. All right, help me out. What, what's a mystery? The, uh, yeah, it's something you don't have the answer to, right? Thank you for that honesty right there. I appreciate that. How many of you are having a hard time staying awake? This Is it? Yeah, all right, that's good. No problem, man. I'm okay with that. <laughs> he told him to seek the mercy from the God of heaven. There's no other God, and God in heaven orchestrates it all concerning the mystery. We don't know the answer. So when we don't know the answer, where do we go? Here, I'll just pick on you, man. Where do we go when we don't know the answer? God. Yeah. That's where, are there ever things you don't know the answer to? Yeah. Yeah. That's where we go. But are there things you ever don't know the answer to? Yes, God. Yeah. <laughs> he is, that would, that would qualify. So Daniel, look at this. So they knew where to go. They knew what to do so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Guess what God did? Anybody want to take a guess? You! Just like what he wants to do with you. He wants to do things through you that are so supernatural that only he can get blamed. He really does. So that you have to give him glory and people say, whoa, look at that. Then the mystery is revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And this is how he blessed him. Listen to how he blessed him. Pay attention to this. This will give you a lot less anxiety when you watch the news if you listen to Daniel's prayer of how he blessed God for giving him the answer. Because God didn't have to give him the answer. He could have been killed with all of them, but God wanted to do something here. So look at this. Daniel answered. This is how he blessed God. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Hey, Chuck, we were looking at that in, uh, in Revelation. He is almighty. If he is almighty, how much might does he have? All might. If he's got all might, how much might you got? Uh, it, it, oh, yeah, you got none. Yeah, I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to fight with God? Let's watch this. I'm selling tickets. No, but yeah, if God is almighty, he's got all might, and you ain't got none. Man, so if you need some might, where are you going to get your might from? the one who has all the might, which is God. And that's the deal he's given us. Quit trying to do it in your might because it's nothing. It's nothing compared to his. And the whole world keeps trying. That's why they keep getting the secular side, the lucrative lie, the decree to die, the, all of those things, the Chaldean cry. That's why what you see. Man, to whom belong all wisdom and might. If he has all that, where are you going to get it from? Him. Look at this. He changes the times and seasons. All right? Now you're like, well, you don't make very many seasons in Florida. Yeah, he does. We got snowbird season. We're in lovebug season right now. We're fixing to hit hurricane season. And then we got summer season. <laughs> and then it comes up. I'm just saying, man, it's like, no, he makes seasons. You know what he's talking about here? He makes time periods. 
Wow, look at the chaos the world's in. Go look at world history and see how new powers. I'll never forget, I had an international businessman tell me about a year ago. When everything's going down, he's like, well, he said, you know how Great Britain kind of ran things for a while? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, then America ran things for a while. He said, well, right now China's running things for a while. That's the international businessman told me. And he said, just if people can just make decisions based on that, then that's just how history works, right? You can agree or disagree with that, but the fact is I challenge you to check out what China owns and whatnot, but it's nothing that God doesn't set up. He changes the times and seasons. Look what else. He removes kings and sets up kings. So if China is truly running everything, who put China in charge? You're like, we did, that party did. No, no. Who put China in charge if they're in charge? God did. And it's kind of uncanny if you read history and you read the Bible, how God has always given people leadership they deserve. That's hard for us to swallow. You want to kick them out of your schools? You want to kick them out of your businesses? You want to kick them out of your government? You want to kick them out? Where's God? We need He's like, you kicked me out. And it's not that he wasn't power enough to stay, powerful enough to stay. And even in the midst of the ultimate darkness, can you not still have him? And do you not still have him? And can you not be a light in the middle of darkness? And the darker the world gets, the lighter your light shines. So it doesn't matter. Here's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who got sold off, taken off, got stripped from their parents. They got brainwashed. They got everything, but God's using them right now. I want you to see it from that perspective. He changes times, seasons. He removes kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. That's like saying, hey, Chuck, that's like saying he gives waves to surfers. <laughs> what, if he, uh, what if he gave waves to fishermen? <laughs> They probably wouldn't like him, right? He gives wet to people who go in the water. He gives thoughts to people that think. So here it is. He gives wisdom to those who are wise. The ones that want to see it from his perspective, he'll show you that. If you don't want to see it from his perspective, if you don't want to hang out with him, you don't have to. And that's even for eternity. If you don't want to hang out with him now, what makes you think you want to hang out with him later? I'm just saying, it's like, so he gives wisdom to the wise. Why? Because they're going to use it. Not that they're going to have another little like weapon in their arsenal. Oh, I'll pick this one when I want it. No, God's like, what's the beginning of wisdom? Help me out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is like, fear is this. I would be an idiot. I'd be an idiot to do anything other than what God has told me to do. Because what's God the expert at? everything. So everything, he's almighty and he's the expert at everything. So what area of your life are you better qualified than God to take charge of? <laughs> None. And fear of the Lord is realizing that. Like, dude, if he is almighty and he's an expert at everything, hmm, maybe I ought to just turn it all over to him and follow him, which is what he's asked for. He gives wise to the wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. Understanding is knowing how to use the wisdom. He didn't want you to, man, have you ever, as a pastor, I've given people Bible verses and they've turned them. They've used them for dangerous things. They've used them to hurt themselves. That's casting pearl to swine is the way Jesus called it. It's like God doesn't want you just to know the Bible and know the word so you can use it however you want. He says, I'm going to give wisdom. I'm going to give knowledge of me to those that are going to use it for the right reason. 
And if you don't use for right reasoning, take you out. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. The light dwells in him. That's what we've been seeing in Ephesians. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to me the king's matter. That's what they asked. So there he is. That's his prayer. God, you're in charge. You didn't have to do it, but this is what you did. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said this to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. That's good news for the king. Then Arioch brought Daniel and look how Arioch Ariak brings him in. He's got a smile on his face. Ariak brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah, <laughs> taking claim. Isn't that what the ungodly and that what the worldly do? They take claim for stuff. Watch how Daniel, who he gives glory and credit to. But Ariok is, I have found this guy from the exiles, from nowhere. You shall reward me because I have brought you this. God wants you to give him glory. And the more things you give God the glory for, the more things he'll give you to give him the glory for. And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm just talking about situations. I found among the exiles of Judah, a man who will make known to the king, the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar there. That's his Babylonian name. See, it means something like Baal kicked your God's butt. That's kind of really what it means in reality. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen in this interpretation? Are you able to make known to me? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers can show the king the mystery that the, God, that God, uh, the king has asked. Nobody can do that. Huh. No. So the king's like, oh, just what I thought. But man, y'all read with me the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Read me the next seven. Help me out, guys. The next seven. You're like counting. How many of y'all are counting right now? Here we go. Just follow with me. But oh, all three of you. Come on, man. Come on, man. He Daniel just said, no one can do this. No one on earth can do it. But look at this. Help me out. But yeah but there's a God in heaven. Man, don't you like those but God statements in the word of God? Next time you have an obstacle and you see it as an obstacle, remember this, but there's a God in heaven. But there's a God in heaven. And it's not, what do I want to do? What do I want to set as a goal? What do I want to see happen? What does God want? Because that's what God's going to do. But there's a God. Does that change your life? Chris, does that make a difference in your life? But there's a God. You got any applications for but there's a God? Yeah, but there's a God. That makes all the difference in the world. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He does a lot of other things, but that's what he needed him to do at that time. And he's made known to the King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen, what? In the latter days. So his dream is about kingdoms for the rest of eternity, all right? Or the rest of history of man. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. So he says, here's your dream. He tells him the dream and remember the dream because he's going to give us the explanation of the dream. But remember the dream. To you, O king, as you laid in bed and came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. So in other words, king, your dream's a prophecy. 
Your dream is what is going to happen after you. In fact, when you look at this in the interpretation, the dream is going to be what is going to happen until Christ comes back. If we can see what's going to happen until Christ comes back, you know what we can do? We can look at what's already happened, and we can sort of see where we're at. Amen? Don't you all want to know where we're at in history of man and how close it is to Christ coming back? Check this out. So he said, this is what's going to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because any wisdom I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So God just, for whatever, here's the reasons God gave me this. All right, but here it is. This is the dream. What what did I dream again, Julia? (laughs) Oh, king, live forever. Yeah, no, again, that's where they could have gone. He's got to tell the king what the king dreamt. And when you see this dream, you know he didn't get this interpretation from the pizza he ate the night before. I'm just saying he got this from God Almighty. Look what he saw. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image, a giant statue, if you will, a great image, the image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you. Its appearance was frightening, meaning it was awesome. Dude, that's why you kept waking up, because you saw this image, and it just, oh, there's no way to describe what's going on. The head of this image was fine gold. So it's got a head. So it's an image of a maybe a statue of a person of some sort. The image was of fine gold. Its chest and arms were of silver. Its middle, its torso, and its thighs were of bronze. Its legs were of iron, and its feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. Now, how many of y'all, if y'all had that dream, every single night might be freaking out a little bit? That, would, that, would that freak you guys out? Especially if the image started moving, oh, you know? So yeah, there that, that was a dream. Now look what he says. And as you looked, a stone, a giant rock that was cut out by no human hands. It's not just a rock that y'all could have chiseled out. Dude, it's take, Ashley, it's taken one of those, not, not one of, a little rock y'all found in Utah. Man, I'm talking like, it's like a whole mountain you found in Utah. And it's like it was cut out, but not with human hands. And it struck this image of, uh, on its feet of iron and clay, and it broke it to pieces. Here you got this head of gold, this arms and torso out of silver, the, or uh, chest out of silver, the torso and legs out of bronze, the, le- the, the thighs, the legs out of iron, and then feet that are part iron and part clay. And then this giant mountain comes out of nowhere and it hits it on the feet and the whole thing collapses. He said, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. So everything of whatever this represents became like nothing, just nothing. And keep that in mind when you learn what it actually is. It became nothing. So if it's nothing, don't invest in it. (laughs) And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. So if you were investing in the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron and the clay and iron, uh, if if what that represents is what you're investing in, look what he says, it's going to be carried away and not a trace of it will be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. Sounds like I want to invest in the stone. How about y'all? Y'all want to invest in the stone? He said, the great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we'll tell you the interpretation. 
So Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, buddy, that's the dream. That's it. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven. This is Daniel, a little servant slave boy, talking to the king. The guy who runs the universe, but he's talking on behalf of God. So he's got holy boldness, the same holy boldness you should have as you're walking in the spirit, telling people what God wants you to say. You represent the king of kings and lord of lords. There's no timidity about it. There's love, there's kindness, but there's truth. You, O king, king of kings, to whom God of heaven has given you the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. Everything you got, Nebuchadnezzar, came from God. And into whose hands he has given. God's giving you it all. Wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, make rule. you make rule over them all. You are the head of gold. So, ah. In this statue, the head of gold is actually the kingdom of Babylon. And it's not under Nebuchadnezzar's dad. It's under him, Nebuchadnezzar. It's a, he's the head of gold. And as you're going to notice, each civilization gets less valuable in material and in strength or in, in, val, in value in all of that. But he said, you're the head of gold. But even in that, he said, whatever you have, God gave it to you. Dude, Thomas, everything you got. You ain't got much right now, man, because you're traveling light through life, right? But whatever you got, who, whose is it? Who gave it to you? And what's he want you to use it for? For him. So it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. That's why he gave it to you, to make, use it for his glory. So he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold, and God's made you that. You got some accountability to him. He said, another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. So if you know anything about world history, there was Babylon, the next kingdom was Medo-Persia, the two arms. And then Medo-Persia turned into Persia, which is the chest and the arms of silver. He's prophesying this ahead of time, but it's come true. And you have a third kingdom of bronze. Bronze was the strongest material they knew, but it wasn't as valuable as gold or silver. He said, and that one is going to come and that's going to be the torso and it's going to be two thighs. Who? All right, so who conquered Babylon. Medo-Persia, and then Medo kind of fell off and Persia took over. Who conquered Medo-Persia, y'all? Huh? Greeks. The, the Greeks, uh, Alexander the Great, <laughs> the Greeks, and he had a mighty kingdom, right? And, and, and at the end, though, after he died, what happened to his kingdom? It divided. Those are the two thighs. And look at this. It even says, which shall rule over all the earth. I, I, Somewhere I read, I saw, and I'm counting on those of you that know history. Selma, check me out on it. I'm not, I can appreciate that. You know how valuable it is to have a real Wikipedia that's alive? You and Scott, man, I'm, no, I need that. But literally, I, I heard, I read somewhere where one of his officials saw Alexander the Great kind of kneeling down and crying. And they said, what's wrong? You have the world. What's wrong, Alex? You know? And he said, there's nothing left to conquer because he conquered everything that there was on this planet. And it, wasn't, it was like a soap bubble, dude. It popped. It wasn't worth anything. He didn't care after that. You hadn't conquered this whole world. But man, conquer what he wants you to conquer. That's what's going to be worth something. So he said, there's, there's a kingdom that's going to rise after you, a third kingdom which shall rule over the earth, the, the torso and the thighs. Hey, who conquered Greece now? Rome conquered Greece. And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, 
Iron, that's like ruling with an iron fist, right? Iron. And this uh, fourth came strong as iron uh, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And that's how, uh, that's how Rome ruled. Hey, who conquered the Romans, y'all? No one. So that means that you kind of, you go to Roman restaurants. You guys like uh, hang out with Roman people. <laughs> what happened to the Romans, man? <laughs> they, they fell apart because, of, yeah, they just totally fell apart. And in fact, part of Italy, part, and people talk about a revised Roman empire or whatever, but Rome basically fell apart. Are we still in the Roman age right now, y'all? All right, let me ask you a question. Are we still in the Babylonian age? Are we still in the Medo-Persian and Persian age? Are we still in the Greek age? Are we still in the Roman age? Rome's still in charge? Check this out. Yeah, they fell apart, man. But look at this. It says, it shall break all of these. Look at this next part. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly potter's clay, partly iron. What do you think about clay and iron mixed together? It's, there's no bond. There's no cohesiveness. They all come together in this world to overtake everything. They have some world elitist system of some way, shape, or form that we don't know what looks like. But the world leaders all come together and they form the feet of the civilization of man, but they can't get along. They can't agree. They can't be cohesive because they all are looking out for who? Are they looking out for you? Is that what the world government's looking for? No, they're looking out for who, Jimmy? Themselves. And if this piece of iron is looking out for itself, this piece of clay is looking out for themselves, this piece of iron, can they ever come together? No. Maybe for a season when they all want what the, same, the same thing, but they never all want the same thing. And so what he says, it'll be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And the toe, and as, of, as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Hey, so if we're not in Babylon, we're not in Medo-Persia, we're not in Greece, and we're not in Rome, either we're in between this, or I don't know, could we possibly be in the toes, y'all? We could, I mean, does this describe our world system right now? Maybe it's all being set up for this. But regardless, we know we're not in Rome. We're somewhere down at the end of all of this. But look at this next part. He says, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, those leaders, the elite people who are taking over the world, who are all coming together for this one world government, if when it does happen, it's not a matter of if, but when it all happens, he said, in those days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Has he set that up on this planet yet? So we are in between the, we are there in those feet. We're in between the feet. Next thing to happen is for, for the kingdom to be set up that will never end. He set one up in our heart and we're all part of that. But he said, it will, the kingdom of heaven will, he will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them all to an end and his kingdom will stand forever. So what kingdom is going to stand forever, y'all? What kingdom are you part of? Then quit living for this world's kingdom. 
He said, seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God. And he said, and, and his righteousness, doing what the king has asked you to do. And what does he say is going to be added to you? Everything. So again, the way to see the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity is realize that, man, perfection's not here. Even the guys in Hebrews chapter 11, go read all those great people, men and women in the hall of fame of faith. They weren't looking for perfection there and there. They were looking for perfection in a city that God built. They were waiting for heaven. They were waiting for eternity. They were waiting for what we're waiting for. It's not going to happen here. And if you're trying to find it here, you're going to miss the purpose for God having you here. I mean, literally... Marley, a thousand years on a perfect planet with a perfect body. Can you wait? Yeah, you, I know you're like, I can't wait. But is it worth the wait? Yeah. You know, I was thinking when y'all were traveling, uh, you know, you have your kids, or maybe Emily was all impatient, right? When you guys are traveling to Sarasota, does anybody in the car impatient? Like, oh, we got to get, and you're like, just wait, just wait. We'll be through this traffic in a minute. Just wait, just wait. I got to go to the bathroom. Y'all hear that? Like, wait, just wait. There's a rest area coming up. Just wait. I'm not waiting for the rest area in the restroom. (laughs) And what happens if they didn't wait? They mess everything up. What happens if if all they're doing is complaining in the car? You're like, just wait, Keone, we'll get you something to eat in a minute. Isn't that what God's doing with us? You guys keep looking for perfection here. I'm telling you in the word of God, it's not here. Just wait, just wait. And however long you have to wait, because when are you going to experience it? When you what? When you die. And I'm looking at some of y'all right now and you ain't got much time left. (laughs) We don't know who's got how much time left, but man, it's this much. To live on an earth that's going to be perfect forever. An earth that's perfect and you have a glorified body. To live in a heaven that's perfect and gorgeous and beautiful where God lives and be able to go between the new heaven and new earth. Can you wait? Like Marley, you're like, no, I can't wait. But can you wait? Yeah. Quit settling for Satan's substitutes here. And do what he's asked you to do. He says that when you do what you're supposed to do here, it will make it better for you there. I don't fully understand that, and neither do you. But he said, I'll make it worth your while. He said, all these kingdoms that the elite think that they're in charge with, he said, I'm going to break them in pieces. All these people who think they're in charge that they're calling the shots in this world? Do you think there's literally human beings who are, who are, who are thinking they're in charge of everything? You know, and I'm not even talking about the little dudes like Bill Gates buying up all our farmland. I mean, you just look at it and you're just like, oh my goodness, Schwab. <laughs> Go study Schwab if you don't know who he is and look at what he has publicized as plans for the human universe. You know, uh, and, and Elon Musk, oh, he gave us free, free, free speech back again, but he's planning on us living in space and eating pills, man. That's why our food's being destroyed. I'm just saying, you're not finding your perfection here. And none of these guys are your friend or your savior. Christ is. Wait, I got to go to the bathroom. It's really bad. Just wait. <laughs> you like that one, MJ? Just wait. I can't hold it. Just wait. Hold it. God will give you grace, the desire and ability. Because if you don't, you're going to make a mess. Just wait. 
Because one day, man, you're going to be in perfection soon. He said, all this, the world thinks they're in charge of. Dude, I'm destroying it all. Not a bit of it's going to be left. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. There's world history for y'all right there. What side are you on? Are you on the team that's going to last forever? Are you sucking up to this world that basically I just got to get what I can get right now? Man, just wait. Live for him. Focus on him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need here to do what he wants you to do. It'll be provided for you. But know that in a very short period of time, Chuck, a thousand years on a planet that's perfect. Man, we, Chuck and I were joking maybe 10, 15 years ago when Okeechobee, we saw stuff pumping in and all the pollution. When we've had the first bad ones come through and we were joking. We were like, yeah, we're going to tell our grandkids one day, we're going to be out here surfing. Hey, we surfed without that hazard suits on. <laughs> we actually got in the water <laughs> and we could actually get wet. And it's not far-fetched now how polluted and junked up everything is. Just wait. A thousand years on a perfect planet. And that's just the beginning. Somebody ought to write a song. Oh, And when we've been there 10,000 years, <laughs> It's like we just got there. There should be some song lyrics about that. How great thou art. <laughs> Man, so what side are you on in this? Just wait. He wins. We're with him. This is nothing here. None of it's going to last. Do it all for his glory. And look forward to our blessed hope, which is him coming back. The only way you can have that is if you gave your life to Christ. Christ was the one who said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Because I came to heaven, I came from heaven, became a human being, so I could be your substitute. If y'all were barracudas and needed to be saved, he'd become a barracuda, but y'all are humans. So he came to be a human, 100% human, 100% God, lived perfect, and said, I'm going to go to the cross for sins I don't deserve but you do. I'm going to pay for those. And if you give me, if you have the faith to believe that, because I give you that and you believe that, give me your life. I'll give you eternal life. And you ain't got to worry about this place here. So if you've never given your life to Christ, man, today's the day to do that. And if you have pray that if there's someone here that hasn't, that they will, but pray that you quit wasting your time on this planet and that you make the most out of this time that God has you alive, the way Daniel did in the time that he was alive. Let's pray. Father, thanks for loving us. Father, thanks for changing this message. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to preach the message you wanted me to preach. Um, I love when you do that because I don't ever want to get up here and represent myself. I don't want to ever get up here and just spout stuff off and wonder. And you never leave me hanging to do that. You always let me know that what I'm sharing is what you want me to share. And you especially did that. I have no idea who needed what part of Daniel chapter two 
But that's not my job. My job is simply to speak on your behalf. I know there's parts I need. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here that's not sure that when this kingdom gets crushed, that they're in your kingdom. I pray that today would be the day they surrender everything they know about you to everything they know about themselves. They would just surrender themselves to you. Surrender it all. Counting on you to fill in all the gaps. Father, um, for those of us that do know, I pray that we'd quit wasting our time here and we would use it the way you want us to use it and even better than we are now. So Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us the encouragement, the truth to know this is how it all works out. And we're pretty stoked. I can't wait to have a perfect body. I can't wait to be in a perfect earth. I can't wait to have a perfect heaven um, and be able to go back and forth. But most of all, I can't wait to be with you. Help us to fall more in love with you so we can fall more in love with each other. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.